0: Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health podcast, where we get into all things training, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. I'm your host, Brevin Jandrew. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Unfuck Your Health podcast. Today, I am joined with the second half of my first coach, Sarah Lipton. How are you doing today?
1: Good. How
0: are you? Not too bad. We've been trying. This is uh, honestly the second time we've tried to record this podcast. Internet doesn't like us apparently, but I'm glad that we get to finally have you on and hopefully Zoom works for us.
1: Yes, I'm so excited to finally get to do this.
0: So. <laughs> right. <laughs> so part two, take two, let's go. Um, For for the listeners who who don't know who you are, um, can you give us a little bit of a background on, on who you are, where you've come from?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am Sarah Lipton. If you've listened to Kenny Lipton's podcast with Brevin, uh, I am his wife. Uh, we own a full effort coaching uh, together. Um, it's something that we've been doing for, I think, going on five years now online, which has been really, really awesome. Um, I'm a functional health coach. So I work with um, people from, from all varieties, from hormone issues, gut issues, to just physique transformation. Um, definitely dove into the functional stuff over the last two years as both Kenny and I went through our own functional stuff. And it really kind of lit a fire, uh, of passion for, for that specifically. Um, and I've been personal training since 2011. I've been certified since 2011, um, got a job out of college, hated it. And I was like, you know what? Like I've been active my whole life. People always ask me for like fitness advice. Like, why don't I just do this? Um, so I had this horrible job and one day I decided I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to go go in on this personal training endeavor um, in person at, you know, a few commercial gyms. Unfortunately, uh, I was living, uh, I'm born and raised in California. I'm in Austin, Texas now, but uh, the cost in gas was, was <laughs> costing me more to get to work than what I was making. Um, so I had to shift gears in terms of when Kenny and I were getting ready to get married, I worked in the event space for a really long time it stressed me out to no end. Um, So even though I was good at it, it wasn't something that I was passionate about. And I always came back to fitness. Um, So in 2020, in 2020, actually, we had the opportunity to go full time with doing this. And it's been a really, really awesome journey so far. Not easy, but it's been a really fulfilling and rewarding journey. So I'm super happy to be here.
0: No, coaching is definitely, it's not an easy job to get into, but it is very, very rewarding.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I think people, there's, I've heard people, oh, I want to become a coach because I want to have more free time. It's like, um, (laughs) if you are running, wanting to run your own business, like nine to five is way, you have way more time because you don't, you don't stop. One hundred
0: percent. People always glorify like online coaching as, oh well, I get to go sit on a beach and uh and work. Like that's not how it works. I promise.
1: Not glamorous. (laughs) I promise. No. You're
0: going into it
1: for that reason, then that's the wrong reason. One
0: hundred percent. One hundred percent. But I, I want to touch on, and one thing you guys do really well is like, because you, you guys are, are, are functional coaching. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what that means? And then I, I think it'd be really beneficial for all the listeners to dive into, um, kind of how stress and hormones affect the body and affect fat loss.
1: Yeah. So can you repeat your first question? You just cut out just a tiny bit.
0: Yeah. So, um, talking about, uh, like what is functional coach and then, um, how hormones and stress affect the body and fat loss.
1: Got it. Okay. So functional functional coaching is more so kind of diving deep into how hormones, gut health, thyroid, all of those are connected in terms of how we are able to be our healthiest selves, right? By also being able to effectively lose body fat and build muscle tissue, which is what everybody wants. We want the aesthetic goals. Everybody does, right? But what we've kind of learned over the last, Kenny and I, over the last couple of years is that your body's ability to progress is only as good as its ability to recover and only as good as its ability to um, work from a functional standpoint. If you're not in a good hormonal state, if your gut gut is compromised, if your thyroid is, you know, down-regulated, which we're seeing a lot of because chronic dieting kind of leads to this, um, you're kind of left with struggling really, really badly with not only a lot of health issues and autoimmune diseases, um, but also just being able to live a longer, happier, healthier life while getting the results that you want. Um, So that that's a huge component to uh, what the functional kind of space looks like. And, you know, for us, you know, we went from training to utter failure all the time, 100% of the time, kind of learning that, you know, there's time, there's time and place for different modalities of movement. There's a time and place for different modalities of training and being able to tap into those different energy systems is really, really important for overall health and longevity. Um, So that is a huge, huge component to the functional space Um, and just kind of getting all those things in order Uh, in terms of stress and how stress affects your ability to lose body fat and how it affects your ability to gain lean muscle tissue. Stress is easily the number one killer of most people's goals, right? This is where we see most functional issues stemming from. And it is really, really um, just a tough place to be. Um, it can feel like you're fighting your body at every turn. No matter how hard you diet, no matter how hard you train, no matter how much cardio you're doing, it is just. Um, it can be. It can be really an uphill battle if you're dealing with you know chronic, chronic stress. Now, stress gets a bad rap. Cortisol is our stress hormone. We need cortisol to survive. Like it Everyone is. Everyone loves
0: bad. to hate on cortisol.
1: It literally everybody loves to hate on it, but we need it. We need it for survival. We need it for repairing our, our, our muscles when we go to the gym, like we need it. But the problem is, is that stress has become a part of everyday life where we're having a fight or flight response. When we get an email from our boss or we're having a fight or flight response when we're sitting in traffic, like we're constantly in a state of fight or flight. And you're coupling that with chronic dieting, which dieting itself, like your body is going to be in a state of stress. It's just what happens. It's not something that you, there's things that you can do to offset the amount of stress that you're dealing with when you're in a dieting phase. But the problem is, is you're, You're chronically dieting, you're stressed to the gills in your work life, you're stressed to the gills in your home life, and you're not doing anything to offset the stress that you're dealing with in your daily life. And you're just saying, oh, well, this is just part of, this is just part of life. And I just kind of deal with it, but dealing with it and mitigating stress are two completely different things. Um, And if there's anything that I've learned in the last two years, I wish that I had really kind of put into place more stress mitigation, you know, and it's, it's funny because sometimes that stress that you're dealing with every single day, it, it takes a long time to catch up to you. Sometimes I, you know, I, like I said, in, in the beginning of this, like when I was in the event management space, like I was stressed at every event, like it, it is just a stressful job. It's just the nature of the beast with that particular line of work. And I would come home from an event and we had what was called event hangover. And you'd literally be like, out cold for like two days straight after the adrenaline that you had running this event. Right. So this went on for (laughs) several years. Um, It's something that I just dealt with like, Oh, okay. Well, my job's just stressful. So whatever. Um, But it took several years for that to finally catch up and for my body to be like, I've had enough. I'm done. Um, I went through really, really horrible hormonal disarray. um, Just terrible downregulated hormones from an estrogen testosterone perspective. I started gaining weight instead of losing it when I was in a, caloric, like in a caloric deficit. What was a caloric deficit for me previously was no longer that. And as soon as I tried to diet after being, you know, in a prolonged kind of fed state, my body instantly went into, oh my God, this is happening again. And I gained 25 pounds. So if you're in a position where you're struggling to lose weight weight or body fat or put on muscle and you start gaining weight on calories that you used to lose weight on like you need to you know zoom out and figure out what exactly is going on because it's not always about calories in versus calories out right it's it's more when you're dealing with health and you're looking for longevity and you're looking for results that stick like it's much more than just Eat less, move more. Like, yes, you need that to lose body fat, but it's it's more than that. It's so much more than that. And, you know, stress is like I said, probably the biggest thing that we see with the functional cases is the the root of the issue is always going to be stress. One hundred percent I don't want to say always, because like I don't speak like speaking in absolute, <laughs> but most of the time, stress is the root cause.
0: Yeah. So I I think one thing you just touched on there that I think is really powerful is, is the fact that some people are struggling to lose weight and it is due to hormonal issues. How do you start to differentiate for people between, um, I'm having struggle, struggling to lose weight because I'm not being consistent or I'm struggling to lose weight because it's actually my hormones.
1: Yeah. So that, that's a really, really good question because, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times I want to say that the answer is simpler than, than what I feel like as of late, like what social media has kind mm-hmm. of faded out to be. Cause I feel like the pendulum is swinging the other way, really, really hard. Um, whereas there's this, this whole gray area in all of it, right. There's never an absolute. It's always about finding because you're working with an individual. It's always about finding that sweet spot for an individual. Now, you know, in terms of like, figuring out, well, I'm just not being consistent versus like actual hormone stuff. I would say the first thing, you know, when it, when we say consistency, like, are you being at least 80% consistent over the course of six to eight weeks? If the answer is no, then like, don't try to blame it on hormonal stuff. Could it be? Yes. But we don't know unless you're you know, hitting protocols or adhering, you know, for an extended period of time without like completely derailing on the weekends and, you know, throwing, throwing everything to the wind when like you are like on, you know, a work trip or something like that. It's it's about staying on track consistency over the long haul. It doesn't mean perfection. It just means, you know, consistency. If we can get 80% consistent, where I would say from the most part, if you're hitting nutrition, um, that's a huge one. Right. And, and how that nutrition is kind of manipulated in terms of like, how much protein are you eating? Like that most people are under eating protein. Like that is a huge problem. And if you're not losing body fat and you're not putting on muscle tissue, like how much protein are you eating? How much protein are you eating consistently? Um, that's kind of a, a big factor. If you're not able to be consistent at least 80% of the time and you're not, you know, adherent, uh, for at least six to eight weeks, then then how do we know that something's broken, right? Now, if you have someone who's super, super consistent, and you're you put them through a deficit, or what is a perceived deficit, right, and they start gaining weight on lower calories, then it's kind of like, okay, this is this is a red flag, um, or looking at things like, from a, a biofeedback standpoint, this is why we take those things to entail and into account from a coaching perspective. It's why we ask, like, how's your sleep? How's your recovery in the gym? Like, are you sore all the time? Are you, um are you having issues like going to the bathroom? Like these, these things matter. um. So that's kind of like from, from our perspective, like why we collect those things from a biofeedback standpoint, because if you are being consistent, but there's something that's raising a red flag in your check-ins, that's kind of how we can differentiate. The other way is obviously through diagnostic testing, blood work, GI maps, uh, Dutch tests, things like that. Um, and, and obviously if there's like, big red flags like oh I'm having acid reflex all the time I'm missing a period like I haven't had a period in four years like those are big things right (laughs) but little things like I'm not sleeping through the night I'm getting up multiple times throughout the night I'm very very sore all the time like not like when you change the stimulus of a workout but literally all the time like soreness is not I think people equate soreness to how successful a workout is but in reality like if you're not recovering well, this is a this is a sign that something's not right. Um, if you're constantly sore, so those are those are two big ones that I think fly under the radar. Um, I would say like if your resting heart rate is really really elevated, this is a really good metric to kind of go off of. Um, even though you're doing all the right things, if your resting heart rate is really high, this is signaling to us that our body's really stressed and it's not recovering well. Um, and then, you know, another thing that you can kind of do at home is the blood glucose readings. Sometimes if you have elevated blood glucose, this is, this is a metric that we kind of use to say, oh, this is, you know, real time data, something that's going on in the body. Um, so I hope that answers the question is very long winded way of answering that question. But what it comes down to is, you know, if you're being consistent, I owe feedback from a coaching standpoint of things that can come up that we're like, okay, Hey, this might be you know, something that's off, or, you know, if you're not being consistent, then looking at where you're not being consistent and what it is that you need to change in order to get the results that you want.
0: No, that answered my question. Perfect. Um, you actually answered like my next two or three questions. So you, you did a fantastic job there. I love that. So, okay. Now say I'm the person who, who has said, checked off the box. Yep. I've been consistent at least 80% of the time over the past six to eight weeks. I, I think it is my hormones or even even someone that has gotten the the blood markers or some of the tests that you you mentioned, and yeah, it is my hormones, what protocols or what can we start to do to get back to kind of that homeostatic baseline so we can lose body fat, because I think at the end of the day, a lot of people's goal is to still lose weight, they just might have to take a different route to get there. So what kind of things can that person start to do?
1: This is a great question. And I think this is like when I had mentioned that the pendulum swinging really, really far to like the functional side, at least of what I've seen on social media, it might be because I'm in that bubble, but yeah. things are swinging, swinging really, really hard in terms of like things are becoming just protocol based versus still focusing on the foundational things that matter. Because if you don't have the foundations in place, like anything that you do from a protocol standpoint for hormones or gut or whatever is not going to matter because the foundation is always what is going to allow you to move to the next step. So the biggest thing this is going to come full circle is that stress mitigation is so, so important. Like, I know that people brush it off as, oh, whatever, right? It's, it. I remember thinking to myself, ah, that's not for me. Like, I'm not going to meditate. <laughs> I'm not going to journal. Like, what is that? That's so like, woo-woo, right? I <laughs> I thought that for so long, but- let hey, me I was right you- there with you yeah literally. if I had started that sooner, I probably would be in a much different place, right um the first things first is like stress mitigation like does it remove the stressor in your life like if your job is super stressful and you have a terrible manager and it they just make your life a living hell, is that going to remove the stressor? It's not like the key there is to start searching for another job, remove yourself from that environment, right work towards moving your removing yourself from that environment. I know that that's easier said than done, but like that's, you know, from removing the stressor completely, sometimes that's necessary. But what stress mitigation does is it allows you to tap into your parasympathetic nervous system versus your sympathetic nervous system. Okay. Parasympathetic nervous system is what it allows you to be calm and relaxed and not in fight or flight mode all the time. And tapping into that when you are in a stressful event or just come from a stressful event or have dealt with a stressful event at some point during the week, being able to tap into that parasympathetic nervous system is so freaking important, not only for your mental health, but for your physical health as well. And I think it's, again, it's one of those things that all people think, oh, that's, that's definitely not like, how could that possibly help me? But like, until you do it consistently, do not knock it. It will and can change your life dramatically. Again, it doesn't remove the stressor, but it does change your ability and how you respond to that stress. Um, so, starting with like, again, meditation and meditation can look different for everybody. It's not always like sitting on a pillow. That's what I do. But it's not <laughs> always sitting on a pillow. Like, um, you know, it's there's a lot of things that you can do to get into a meditative state, whether that is playing music or singing, um, coloring, um, like in an adult coloring book or painting, like something that allows you to kind of just remove yourself from just this, the just the hustle and bustle of everyday life and be present in that moment. Um, so I think for me, the thing that helped me the most was doing guided meditations, because sometimes it's really hard is that through mind. like
0: a youtube video?
1: Yeah, youtube. Okay. Uh, the calm app is really excellent for that. Um I can uh I don't remember his name. I can't ever say it, but uh he's like a he's a monk on youtube. Okay. Um I think it's SRI and then space A S K N A Master Sri Ash- Ashaka. I don't know how to say his name, but he's amazing. I love his guided meditations um the calm app like I said is really really great there's shorter ones in there so it's not like you're sitting for a really long time you don't have to do this for a long time five to ten minutes and then work your way up if you want to continue to do it longer um but like I said journaling is also a really really great way to kind of just brain dump or just be present in the moment I have a book called (laughs) 52 lists for calm and it it just kind of recenters you um, so finding something that allows you to recenter, it allows you to be present in the moment. Um, and then the other one that's really, really powerful, and there's tons of studies on this everywhere, like there's there so many studies on this is deep breathing, um, deep breathing activates that parasympathetic nervous system. And it, it just helps overall. So like, there's a reason if you have an Apple watch, and I'm not sure if this is true with Garmin or anything else, because I don't have one, but the Apple Watch. tracks your heart rate right and if your heart rate goes up there's a reason why it's pinging you and telling you to breathe like that is a real thing so it just kind of helps you again just calm your, your central nervous system and get yourself back to just being present and and that's the most important part when it comes to just kind of stress mitigation and really kind of diving into that And a good place to start um are those things is deep breathing again super easy um Two minutes, one minute, whatever you can muster. And just kind of, like I said, work your way up. Find a quiet space if you can. Like if you're at work and you just had a really stressful event or a really stressful meeting, like not that you want to go do this, but like go in the bathroom and just, you know, do some deep breathing or go somewhere where you're able to be quiet for a minute or two. Um, those are really, really helpful tools. And then The last one is like just getting outside as much as you possibly can uh, from a stress mitigation standpoint. This also helps with my next point, but um, I'll stop there with the stress mitigation. Um, And then the next one would be really kind of optimizing sleep as best as you can. Um, These two things, they can change the entire trajectory of how your health kind of unfolds and how much progress you're able to make. Um, Now, I know a lot of people like at least who we work with, like some of them work night shifts, a lot of them have kids, like sometimes it's really hard to get like eight or nine hours of sleep, right? But if you can work on the overall quality of the sleep that you are getting until like something kind of changes, uh, that will make all the difference for you having a sleep routine, trying to stay off of social media, close to bed, um, doing a parasympathetic activity, Uh, Before bed, like that deep breathing is one of my favorites Uh, restorative yoga, which again can be found on YouTube, it doesn't require you to be a yoga expert It is just very, very easy uh, stretches and just deep breathing in that particular um, uh, type of yoga. Uh, yoga with bird is my favorite on youtube if you want to search that um that's what i used a lot through my hormonal healing journey um and those are two things i would say to really heavily focus on if you're very very serious about building a foundation um and then lastly obviously recovery from the gym uh more is not always better um more recovery better quality workouts that's what's better um so sometimes that requires you to take a step back from the gym I took a whole month off at one point. I'm not saying that everybody has to do that, but, um, you know, allowing for more recovery days, uh, you know, four, four training days a week is, is a a substantial amount of time. Uh, and you can get a really good quality workout, uh, working out is really important. It's not something that should be stopped. Um, but you know, sometimes it's necessary. It's kind of like an individual call on that. Um, I really had a hard time with it, but it did help me kind of progress. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's definitely weird to to go down and be like, can I make, I actually just had this conversation with a client where she, uh, she's a what a power lifter of mine. and, And she's been working out four days a week for the longest time, but she just got a really stressful stuff going on in her life. She just moved. Her job is very stressful. And it was just like stressing her out more to try to hit four days. And we, we had to have that conversation of like, are you going to make more progress if you can just be consistent with three days instead of stressing yourself out and missing workouts for four days? Like, is the juice worth the squeeze for that extra day? No, I don't think it is. And, and now she's like crushing it. And I think yeah. that's just such an underrated thing.
1: It really is. Honestly, like you can do so much in two to three days, like people underestimate what they can get done. And honestly, like when I dialed back on training days or when we've dialed back on training days for other, for clients as well, like they have more power to put into the gym. It's like, oh, I'm here. I'm only here for three days. I got to make yeah. the most of it. And sometimes you end up, you know, really kind of pushing yourself in the way that you need to be pushed on those three days. And then really recovering over the, you know, those four days, it's, it makes a huge difference. It's not sure. always about like getting five or six workouts and it's really not.
0: Yeah. And in, in all honesty, like, You're going to be like you said, be able to push yourself more and get a better workout in those three to four days and actually recover where you're growing instead of like just kicking your ass seven days a week for for what reason, like, at the end of the day, if you are trying to go to the gym six or seven days a week, I assume you really care about your progress in the gym like, so you're probably going to get better results only going three or four days even dropping down to five.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Literally like two days can make a huge difference. Like, I don't know anybody listening to this, like Dorian Yates, which is one of the greatest yeah. bodybuilders. And I know we're not always, we're not trying to do <laughs> anything like that, but he only trained three days a week. And that guy's like, that yeah, guy, he's huge, huge <laughs> right? Like he has substantial muscle and like, we can all take like a, a general, like one thing away from, from him as a bodybuilder is like it more is not always better. Like less workouts, higher quality is, is where it's at like really you take
0: if you take anything away from this podcast more is not always better but yeah. it was funny you every every time you you were continuing on another thing there I was like yep check that yep check that you're 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 reading my mind with all these questions it's perfect <laughs> so I, I'm sure you've dealt with this you, you've coached many people before there, there's always that person and you, you touched on it a little bit the night shift worker the mom whose kids are waking her up or the dogs waking her up at night and she's not able to get sleep and, and work stressful you're having to work overtime and you have it just always feels like there's something going on there's some stressor that is always preventing you from being consistent or getting sleep or hitting your workouts or your calories or whatever how does that person start to to stress mitigate a little bit and and start to be able to actually make progress or feel like they can make progress
1: yeah that's a really good question because sometimes you can feel like it's so out of reach right it's like oh my gosh how could I possibly do this with everything else going on and you know, it's 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 one of those things where it's not it's not necessarily going to come easy. Like I don't want to sugarcoat that. Like it's it's a lot of trial and error and figure out what works, right? And um, I would say the biggest thing is to control. Like, don't stress about what you can't control, and only focus on what you can. So if you can't say you're a mom who's breastfeeding and you're getting up multiple t- multiple times during the night, like there's there's probably going to be a hard time where it's like getting optimal sleep is, is not necessarily like gonna happen right but what you can do is you can control your nutrition like that's a huge one especially for mothers who are breastfeeding like if you can control your nutrition that is gonna make a huge difference in just your overall progression and your your overall ability to make progress and to feel better and eventually yes like those things get better you know as you know, the, the child gets older and you're not breastfeeding as often, but that is something that we ran into recently is, is she was still breastfeeding and getting up multiple times during, during the night, but, uh, we were able to get really substantial progress about 15 pounds, like, uh, down from wow. when we started, but she was eating significantly more. We were only training two days a week, for 45 minutes. And, you know, it made a, a huge difference in, in controlling her workouts, controlling the amount of steps that she was taking, but also not overdoing that. Cause you, you can't overdo that. <laughs> <laughs> you think walking, right? Walking is <laughs> great, but you, you can overdo that in some ways, um, and just like really optimizing nutrition. So again, it's about controlling. It's about not stressing on what you can't control in that moment, uh, but you know, controlling what you can and optimizing things that you can in that specific phase of your life. And you know, a night shift worker, for instance, like a lot of night shift workers that we've we've worked with, a lot of them have GI issues. Um, And and a lot of times this is because you're eating at a time like where your body's not like wanting to digest food properly. So optimizing the windows in which you're eating is important and getting it as close as you can to like what a normal kind of bedtime or wake time (laughs) would be versus like eating at, you know, 3.30 in the morning. like. Those are things like little tiny minutiae that, that can make a big difference for an individual. And, you know, granted like night shift workers, if you're a nurse and like, sometimes that's not always possible, but when it is possible, controlling that is, is a big, a big deal.
0: For sure. Take care of your body and your body will help take care of you. So How do you know or, or how do you tell a client um, to, to know like when you're giving too much grace to yourself or you're you're pushing yourself um kind of grace versus grit there? How, how do you know when you're you're not pushing enough or, or you're giving yourself too much of that grace?
1: Ooh, that's a really good question. Um I would say with anything, like if you're just starting. Like there's a learning curve, right? Kind of giving things, getting things going and kind of falling into finding that sustainability and that consistency. Like I would say, I always say general rule of thumb with any client that starts with us, like give it at least two weeks to kind of give yourself that grace period of like learning and understanding that, you know, this is a change, right? And kind of navigating what that's going to look like in your life, right? Right. But not always striving for perfection because that's not what we're looking for. And the reality of the situation is that perfection, you know, life doesn't allow for perfection. So you have to learn to kind of adapt, uh, especially when you're trying to build a lifestyle. I would say like in terms of like giving yourself grace, like anytime there's a change in programming, anytime there's a massive change from a nutrition standpoint, you know, a week or two is typically what I kind of tell most clients Um, if you're going through a massive life-changing event, if you're going through anything that is, I would say extremely stressful, like moving across the country, or like there's like something going on from a family perspective, like these things in life are going to come up. Right. And it's kind of about understanding that during those times, like what you should learn from building a lifestyle is that. Life is going to happen, but if you can again control your controllables, but don't stress about them when you have things like that happen, um, that's about you know finding that lifestyle and that sustainability. Is being able to when those things happen is jumping back into it immediately when you're able to, right? Um, that's like that's a really really tough question because it's so based on like what a person is going through, but it, at the end of the day, is like how bad do you want this? that's that's kind of the question you have to ask yourself like if this isn't a priority to you like that's okay there's gonna be different times in your life when this isn't necessarily the top priority right health should always be top priority but when i'm talking about like physique changes and like trying to lose body fat and gain muscle tissue like how bad do you want it and how much are you willing to kind of allow for consistency to happen and being able to kind of jump back into things when things don't always go okay, instead of just like calling it quits, right? And that that's a big thing is like, sometimes you can have these major life events happen where you're like, okay, I'm just gonna give myself grace during this time period, but then you're like, all right, I'm just kind of done, right? And, and we run into that and it's really hard because from a coaching perspective, you can see the potential of an individual, but it's really up to them to kind of decide how bad they want the change. Um, because again, if it's not something that's top priority for you and you're only focused on like the end result, you're going to have a really hard time throughout the entire process.
0: hundred percent. And I think I love what you said there. Um, like you have to ask yourself, like, what are you, what are you willing to, to sacrifice or what habits are you willing to change or what habits are you willing to form during this time? And like, if it's not at this point in time, like worth the, the effort for you to to lose that extra 10 or 15 pounds, like that's fine. You just have to know that. But if you're, you're constantly, you're trying to like, well, I want to lose this 10 to 15 pounds, but I'm really not going to give the effort or do the things that are necessary to do that. I'm just going to continue to try to eat in a deficit for eight months and, and not really go anywhere. Like you're, you can spend your time better doing other things. And I think that's where like nutritional periodization comes in. Mm-hmm and okay. being able to plan around your year. Um can can you touch on on nutritional periodization a little bit and like what what that is and how you might utilize that around the year to plan around events or or life.
1: Yeah. Oh, 100%. So <laughs> I have found that most people like they want to get ready for summer, right? And yeah. then they want to enjoy summer. So if that's the case, we probably shouldn't be dieting during summer because that's when I feel like most people have a hard time being consistent because there's so many things going on, right? You're, you're traveling, you're going and doing things every weekend, man. Yeah, literally. So it's, it's very hard to kind of like try to do that. There's very, like we have clients that are, that are doing that now and they're, they're very dedicated. It's like, they don't care what time of year it is. And that's always like the best because it's like, okay, well, we've spent a lot of time like building right now. We can really kind of focus on cutting without having to worry about all the things that happen during summer. But Nutritional periodization is like, and this is where a lot of people have a hard time is allowing yourself to not be in a deficit like year round. That is the last thing you should be doing. If you're, tr- if you're truly trying to lose fat and build muscle, the last thing you should be doing is trying to diet all the freaking time. And the reason for this is, is that we're constantly asking so much of our body, but we're never giving back to it. We're never giving back the resources that are needed in order to get to where we want to be because so, so many people are so, and the women specifically are so fearful of eating more because the scale goes up when they don't realize that the scale is just a data tool. It's not the measure of your success, but this has been shoved down, you know, our throats for a long freaking time. It's hard to kind of get over that hump of understanding that. Sometimes in order to get to where you want to be, you have to do things that are uncomfortable. And sometimes that means eating more and spending time, not in a deficit, just spending time in a, a reverse diet, spending an extended period amount of time eating at maintenance at least, and then spending some time, you know, eating in a surplus, which I know seems so scary, but everybody's always like, I want to tone and lose body <laughs> fat, but Toning is literally the act of building muscle. Like it's, you're not gonna, you know, if you're eating a surplus, you're not gonna build giant muscles. I wish that was the case. I really do. Dude, <laughs> like so I do I. Easy, <laughs> but it's really not, it's not that easy. Um, but if you're truly wanting to like the biggest conundrum that I see a lot of of women specifically is like, oh, I, I really wanna build glutes. And I really want to have like toned arms, but they're eating 800 calories and they've been eating 800 calories for X amount of years and they're frustrated with results. But let me tell you something, (laughs) in order to build what you want, like you have to eat, you have to supply your body the right amount of fuel. And we have to shift that narrative in our mind that it's always about shrinking ourselves down. And it's, it's really not, it is. Um, so important to make sure that you are replenishing those resources in your body to allow it to be in a place where you are able to lose fat and you are able to build muscle more efficiently and frankly like fat loss should not be complicated it absolutely should not be complicated it's probably such it is such an easy concept like the the concept of calories in versus calories out only works if you are in a place to lose fat like you're not always in a place to diet especially you've been spending decades upon decades you know dieting i talked to a, a a client a while back when I was on a consult call with her, her first diet was when she was 10 years old. And she's That's been, doing it, you know, up until she's 30. She's always been dieting. And she's wondering why she's not getting results because she's never allowed her body to to do so. So nutritional periodization is basically going through periods of being in a in a really good fed state. And, and staying there being a maintenance, like toggling between those and then spending maybe like four to three to six months at most, like in a dieting phase. But you're also like utilizing nutritional periodization within the dieting phase. It's not always about let me slash calories as low as I possibly can. No, it's utilizing things like refeeds and diet breaks and times of overfeeding, even in a dieting phase to make sure that we're keeping your hormones where they need to be. Your thyroid needs to be upregulated because it's the master of metabolism. If you're constantly downregulating those things, your body is not in a place to do anything
0: freaking retweet to everything you just said. I love that. And I love, <laughs> you can tell how passionate you get about it, uh, which I think is really, really cool. Um, one last thing I want to touch on, because uh, I think you, you guys do a really good job at it, um, is the toning talk. Um, so yeah, these, these people want to quote unquote tone, but they're chronically in a calorie deficit. They're never taking that time to eat enough to actually fuel their bodies to build muscle. So how do we get that person to actually start eating a little bit more? And then what does it look like to get quote unquote toned? How do you do that?
1: Um, okay, so toning, Let's just let's just start with that, is literally the act of building muscle and revealing what muscle you've built once you start to lose body fat. You will have nothing to show for it if you don't take the time to build muscle. You will not look toned if you haven't taken the time to build muscle it's just not, you're not going to be happy with the result. I will tell
0: you that being skinny fat sucks. That's what I, that's where I was when I first started with you guys, I started out skinny fat and then you guys got me Jack. So thank you. (laughs)
1: Yeah, You're welcome. (laughs) But that's literally where I started too. Like I thought like, Oh, I'm just going to, here's like, I get it. It's I've been there. Like I, my thought process when I first, very first started in fitness. Okay. I was inspired by Olympic track runners, and I was like, damn, I want to look like that. I want those cap delts. I want those sweeping quads, they're like, jacked. I want right? Like they're jacked. But because I wasn't knowledgeable at the time, like I equated the fact that they were running to that's what I needed to do. So I started running and I, you know, had a goal weight in mind. I had a goal weight of like 104 pounds. I'm very, I'm 5'1", so ones. I'm a very small individual, but I had a goal weight of 104 pounds. I reached that goal and I was like, damn, why don't, why don't I look like that? What is this? Like I had no muscle. You're like, all. scam.
0: This is yeah. a scam. Big yeah.
1: news. <laughs> um, and I was so unhappy with those results, but I didn't realize that, you know, at the time I was like eating very little. I was riding bikes with Kenny. I was running. I was doing all cardio because I thought that's what needed to happen in order for me to look toned and muscular, which, you know, saying that out loud, I was like, damn, that's so dumb. Like, what are you doing? Right. And, um, you know, toning, I don't care what term you use, whether it's toning or sculpting, like whatever verbiage you want to use is totally fine, but just understand that those words are buzzwords for building muscle period. And, you know, kind of the only way to do that is to really put in a lot of effort to eat enough protein Honestly, to eat enough carbs, fats, and protein in general, but protein is very, like, it's probably the most problematic macro that I see in, in most people just really under eating that, um, and, and training with, you know, the periodization of training is really, really important, especially for women, um, and kind of working through different stimuli in your training but also knowing when there's a time to push really hard and there's a time to pull back because again if we're constantly taking resources from our body and not giving it back you're not going to get the results that you want you're just not um so you know putting in the effort you're going to have to train hard like lifting heavy is not going to make you bulky i mean i (laughs) can't use the fives yeah, it will make you tone, but it will make you bulky. Um, but you you do have to lift, and when I say heavy, heavy is relative, right? It's not like about load; it's about how you perform the weights. So I don't care if you're you know able to squat, you know, two fifteen. Like if your if your form's not good, it's it's not going to matter. You need to have proper tension on the floor. or like to your point, like lifting five pound dumbbells, like that's not going to do anything if it's not challenging to you and doing a ton of reps, like. I know that's another thing is like doing a ton of reps, like will make you tone, but that's not the case. Like you need to be doing different styles of training where you're doing more so like intensity-based movements where sometimes it's like really boring where you're just lifting, at least to me, that's like that's most boring stimulus. <laughs> It's like really low reps and just like lifting really, really heavy, heavy for you, right? And then moving into more like metabolic and, and then kind of moving on from there, but putting in the effort and not being afraid of, not being afraid of the scale going up. That's another thing too. It's like, you know, with those buzzwords, it's, it's hard, I think, especially for women to, to get on board with gaining weight, even if their bodies look completely different. I've seen time and again, so many people get upset and then quit because the scale went up, but their bodies looked completely different. Like body recomposition is probably (laughs) the funnest part about, Fitness, in my opinion, is being able to recomposition your body.
0: The really cool place to be that. in.
1: It really, honestly is, and being able to embrace that and not let you know something like the scale overshadow progress that you've made. Your clothes are fitting different. You look different in the mirror, and you feel freaking confident. Like that—that that is so much more important than anything that the number on the scale says. And you know getting yourself to that point, it takes a lot of work, but it really is rewarding when you're able to get past that. And that's when you're able to make the real progress and the real toning and and the real kind of like the sculpting and looking lean and, and muscular is about kind of getting over that mindset of I need to be the lowest number I possibly can on this scale or, or else I'm kind of just done. But um, understanding that, you know, if you're really, wanting to again and, and muscles not just for looks it's for longevity like we need muscle to live long and healthy healthy and happy lives like it acts as an endocrine organ like it, it regulates our blood sugar it does so many different things and it's not just about the aesthetic piece and it's it's hard to get over that mindset it's it is but i, I think once you kind of get there and kind of embrace the process and and let go of certain things it, it will change your life and your results Honestly.
0: Dude, absolutely fire. I love it. I I don't even have another question. I want to leave it at that because I think that was such a good way to end this. Um, So I won't ask you any more questions other than something I like to ask every guest I have on here. Um, one to three, it doesn't have to be three. Some people just have a ton they can rattle off. Um, One to three fitness myths that you just absolutely hate and wish they would die.
1: Oh my God. Okay. Um, Number one is that carbs are bad. <laughs> they're <it>. not <laughs> um, number two would be that i I wish absolutes would just die, like in general. I don't like that, um, there's so much in the fitness industry that is like spoken in absolutes that I think causes more harm than good. Um,
0: hundred uh-huh, percent so
1: that I think that just in general. Is is problematic.
0: It sucks because the the absolutes are are what what sell because they're sexy. They're like, oh, this is that's the answer. That that's a definite answer. It's it's unfortunately it's a, it's probably a gray area there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and honestly, I think at this point, like a big thing that I've had kind of a mental shift in is is. I, again, it's like the pendulum swung the other way. Is where cardio is bad and it will harm your gains and it's not necessarily about the cardio it's about the application of the cardio that is the problem and i think uh just kind of bucketing it all in one is is problematic because cardiovascular health is extremely important um do you want to kill yourself doing cardio no but like it's important to implement i think for a long time like i didn't as to be honest i didn't um just because it was like, Oh, well, I don't want to, I don't want to lose my gains. And and that's, you know, it's, it's about your nutrition and your recovery and the application of the cardio that you're doing.
0: I absolutely love that. I've actually been doing cardio, um, recently again, and it's, it's not killing my gains at all. It's yeah. actually been a lot of fun and, and kind of a, just a challenge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have too, And I'm like, gosh, I really, I honestly missed it for a long time. And, um, yeah, I definitely had a mindset shift there for sure.
0: Hundred percent, I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you?
1: Ah, oh, yes, thank you so much for having me. I was, I'm so happy that I got <laughs> to. It's really great. Um, I can be found on Instagram, uh, Sarah with an H, S as in Sarah, L as in Lipton. Dot fit. Um, TikTok, I believe it's the same. Uh, And then our coaching is Full Effort Coaching. I think we have our Instagram is just Full Effort Coaching. Um, And then obviously full FullEffortCoaching.com. I think those are the only places right now. Awesome.
0: I will drop those in the show note. If you guys already don't follow her, make sure to go give her a follow. She is amazing. Thank you again so much for joining us, Sarah. It was fantastic to have you on.
1: Thanks so much,
0: Brevin. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. If you enjoy the show and find helpful, I'd love it if you would share it on your story so I can thank you for listening and leave a five-star rating review to help the podcast grow and allow me to impact more lives. As always, feel free to reach out with any questions or anything and anyone that you want to see on the show. Thanks again for
1: listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast.